All right, so uh, we're here talking to Justin Hagel today, and uh, this podcast stemmed from a conversation with uh, Kevin Richards, who introduced us. And Kevin brought up a good point that we have not highlighted any adapted physical education research so far, and there's so much great, meaningful research out there by amazing scholars. So today, uh, we're diving into the world of adapted physical education research. All right, and so we're here with Justin Hagel from Old Dominion University in beautiful Virginia. Uh, This is my first Vapored meeting, and uh, Justin and I are sitting down to discuss his 2018 article titled, uh, and pay attention to this one because when I read the title, I immediately was intrigued. Uh, So the title is Females with Visual Impairments in Physical Education, Exploring Exploring the Intersection Between Disability and Gender Identities. Uh, it was published in 2018 in Research Quarterly for Exercise and Sport. Uh, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for taking time to chat with us today. Uh, hi, Risto, and thank you again for allowing me to join the podcast. Uh, it's an honor to be the first AP person featured on the podcast. Uh, as a note, this paper was co-authored by Amanda Yesick, who's currently a PhD student down at the uh, University of Alabama, as well as my colleague at ODU, uh, Dr. Shiha Drew. Okay. Awesome. So I don't usually start off uh, quoting the first sentence of someone's paper, but I'm going to do that. Uh, So you start off the paper with saying, quote, in physical education, one's body is central to experiences. If one's body is viewed as an asset, the individual is welcome to participate in activities. Whereas if one's body is viewed as a hindrance, they will likely be excluded from part uh, from participation. End quote. And so, what does the research say about students' experiences in physical education who may be labeled as a quote hindrance by their peers? Uh, that, that's a good question. And so, what we know. Uh, we know that persons uh, with what might be considered non-conforming or flawed or unable bodies, uh, which is particularly relevant to youth with disabilities, uh, they tend to experience various types of experiences in PE contexts, such as bullying, social isolation, or removal from activities altogether. Uh, we also know that while some cases um, explain positive experiences in PE, uh, for the most part, persons with disabilities tend to describe challenging experiences which are driven by perceptions of inability Um, from teachers or peers. Uh, These types of experiences can include instances of bullying, social isolation, other forms of discrimination perpetuated by those classmates or the teachers as well. Uh, These types of experiences could lead persons with disabilities to develop negative perceptions toward PE in general and to self-select exclusion from uh, future PE classes as well as uh, future physical activity participation as adults. Okay. Interesting. So how does this relate when we look at research with students with visual impairments? Right. So persons with disabilities are our heterogeneous group. And those with some disabilities, maybe learning disabilities or ADHD, may, may not uh, be viewed as having non-conforming bodies in PE, whereas others experience various barriers to participation because their bodies are viewed as flawed. And so persons with visual impairments in particular are known to experience a litany of barriers to participation. And some of this has to do with adapted equipment and also support from trained staff. Uh, so persons with visual impairments have reported feeling frust- frustrated or inadequate about being belittled and discriminated against by PE teachers um, who perpetuate ideals of inability. And these instances can then influence social dynamics among peers where PE teachers unknowingly contribute to peers' understanding of the inabilities of those with visual impairments. Uh, so not surprisingly, peer social interactions like bullying or social isolation 
have been commonly reported and are driven by those perceptions of being less able. Um, interestingly, persons with visual impairments have reported that perceived differences between them and their sighted peers tend to be the most emphasized during PE in comparison to other settings in the schools. Okay. So, and then you also look at uh, gender as a factor in this research. And so what do we know about how physical education marginalized uh, gendered bodies? Sure. So, so bodies with disabilities, like those with visual impairments, are also gendered bodies. And PE is a forum for students to experience common sense gender ideals and narrow conceptions of the gendered body. And for example, girls tend to feel pressure to construct and present what is considered an ideal feminine body, which is slender and has limited muscularity uh, in PE, which also uh, can be judged or is judged for sport competency. Um, Girls who are not sporty have reported instances of teasing and discomfort in PE, which may be further complicated by surveillance-related pressure from boys. Um, so there's basically this double pressure of presenting bodies as both passive, passively beautiful and competent in sport, which can lead girls to also withdraw from activities. And so you talk also about different intersectionalities in here, meaning when two concepts or personalities such as being female and being a minority doubly impacts someone's experience. And you bring up work by Azarito looking at gender and race, uh, Simeon Dacas looking at uh, gender and religion, uh, both in a physical education setting. So all that being said, can you give us uh, the purpose of why you did this research? Sure. So the purpose for us for this study was to take an explicitly intersectional approach to look at um, the embodied experiences of persons who identified as being female and also identified as having a visual impairment while in school-based PE. Awesome. And I know we we go into the intersectionality in in the supplemental podcast. So um, for those of you listening that want some more information on that, we'll definitely get to that. Um, But you have some words in when we go into the methods section that most non-consumers of research wouldn't necessarily know. So um, if you're right, let's do a rapid fire to start. So what is uh, phenomenological? Uh, it means that we're primi- primarily concerned with examining each individual participant's lived account of events. Okay. And hermeneutic. Uh, researchers are charged with interpreting the participants' attempt to make sense of their own experiences. And ideographical. Uh, reveals in detail what experiences for each individual participant are like and what sense each individual participant is making of what has occurred. Okay. So... Uh, your research took a phenomenological, hermeneutical, and ideographical approach. Yep, that is correct. We used an interpretative phenomenological analysis research approach, which has phenomenological, hermeneutic, and ideographic roots. Okay, and if I was listening to this podcast, I'd go back 30 seconds and listen to that again if I was thinking about that. Uh, There's so many uh, complex terms sometimes that we use, so thank you for uh, clarifying those. Um, And you also had some additional clarifications of language that I think are important where you made choices to keep some language in. Can you explain those? Yeah, so so we had two distinctions in language that we pointed out. First, we use person-first language, uh, that is naming the person uh, prior to naming the disability. Um, In the voice of the authors, however, we left each participant's narrative uncensored to respect their personal conceptualizations of what a disability is. Uh, Second, we used the term integrated rather than inclusive throughout the paper, Um, and this was to describe the setting that participants received physical education rather than the sense of belonging, acceptance, and value commonly associated with the philosophy of inclusion. 
Awesome. And I think those are important to understand and kind of if uh, for those that don't necessarily use those terms to kind of understand where those come from. Um, now, your participants included eight people who identified as having various levels of visual impairments. Um, all of them were adults by the time you conducted the study. So this was retrospective and they experienced a variety of different PE settings. Uh, what type of data did you gather with the participants? So the primary source of data for this study was semi-structured audio taped one-to-one -one telephone interviews. And we use telephone interviews uh, specifically to help with participant recruitment and to allow us to recruit across the country. Uh, the second piece of data we used were reflective interview notes, which included the interviewers' reflections on what the participants said, um, initial feelings about the tone of the conversation, and exceptionally meaningful items. Okay. And so we'll skip over the data analysis section of the paper, but um, I do want to note how rigorous it was and well laid out in the paper. But let's get to the results. Uh, you found three interrelated themes. Can you run us through those? Sure. And so the first theme was, uh, quote, girls don't like gym anyway, close quote, and uh, limited participation from the female perspective. And this theme described the participants' experiences with limited participation and the influence that both gender and visual impairment had on those limitations. And so consistent with a few other studies, the participants described instances of being removed from classes or excluded from activities or author offered uh, alternative activities because of their visual impairment. Uh, this informed negative feelings about PE, such as feeling, quote, left out, close quote, frustrated, uh, babied, or embarrassed. Uh, although the participants attributed their challenging experience to their disability, their gender identity influenced how they understood those experiences. And so one item that I found particularly interesting was that because other girls were disengaged from PE, uh, those are girls without visual impairments, some of the participants in the study felt less exposed to surveillance-related pressures to engage and were more accepting of their reduced roles in PE. So for theme, theme two was titled, She Can't Do What Other Kids Can Do, uh, teachers' expectations and unable bodies. And this theme described how participants' unable or flawed bodies influence their teachers' expectations of their abilities in physical education. And we, so we know that physical education teachers have strong influences on determining participation or non-participation in activities, as well as the social value, value placed on those activities. And in this study, participants reported feelings of inadequacy and frustration with the low expectations communicated by their physical education teachers. Uh, these types of low expectations contributed to instances of exclusion where those with visual impairments were not expected or even asked to participate with the other kids. Um, intersectionally, the participants describe how their teachers' gender-based expectations compounded their experiences in their faulty bodies. Participants expressed frustration with these gendered expectations, which were clearly influenced by common-sense gender ideals, uh, such as girls' push-ups versus boys' push-ups. Um, although they recognized that gender had an influence on expectations, the participants believed that their visual impairment had far more profound impact on their PE teachers' expectations. So theme three was titled, quote, it was really awkward, close quote, feelings about negative peer interactions. Uh, this quote demonstrated participants' embodied perspectives toward bullying and other negative peer interactions. And this theme really looked at bullying from an intersectional perspective. Uh, the participants noted feeling ostracized because of purposeful bullying that was disability-based. Um, but interestingly, many of the participants primarily were bullied by male peers. And this type of bullying or teasing was focused on the boys' conceptualization of the abilities of girls to succeed in sport. 
We also noted that the bullying uh, that was experienced by the participants may have been influenced by the teachers, as in PE teachers communicated low expectations for students with visual impairments, and they may have unknowingly contributed to peers' understanding of their own uh, inability or their the inabilities of those with visual impairments. Uh, this was apparent in several quotes of the participants who noted that, quote, if an adult is treating this person differently, then we should treat them differently as well, close quote. That's interesting. I mean, you have so much there, and I, I think it's an interesting look at that, you know, intersectionality of gender and disability. Um, now, as with any study, you always have some limitations and you talk about how this was a retrospective study. Uh, and so was it hard to find participants for a study like this? I mean, not like, how do you even go in and recruit? Yeah, so, so typically it would be really hard to find participants, particularly if we were focusing on school-aged kids. Um, so using the retrospective approach certainly helped with participant recruitment. Uh, but the approach also might be seen as a limitation as participants may not recall vivid details of their experiences in childhood. Um, in addition, because PE practices change over time, it's hard to generalize the findings of a retrospective study like this uh, to PE today. Yeah. But I think also some retrospective studies have made a big splash, like the one that was posted all over the New York Times on people's perceptions of what physical education was. So I think there's, yeah, you do have some limitations there, but also, um, you know, I think it's important stuff. Um, do you have any concluding thoughts here? I mean, this was the first kind, uh, the first of this kind of study looking at the intersectionality in this way. Yeah. So, uh, uh, as you mentioned, this study is the first uh, that that we're aware of that provides this unique insight into how females with visual impairments experience PE, uh, taking into consideration both gender and disability-related challenges. Uh, one important note might be how complex and complicated the experience was for participants and what they perceived uh, to inform their teachers' low expectations of them in PE. Um, I personally enjoy doing research like this quite a bit. Uh, we have another paper that was published in Adapted Physical Activity Quarterly, which is about uh, males with visual impairments and how those two identities inform PE. Um, and we're currently working on a paper um, that looks at the um, intersection between identifying as being overweight and obese and having a visual impairment in PE and how both of those influence uh, experiences. So I'm going to continue to work on uh, this type of uh, research. Yeah. And thank you so much for your time. I think one of the things that we need to, you know, remember is there is that, you know, sometimes I think PE and we were talking about this earlier is that PE and adapted PE go side by side. We're kind of going in the same direction, but not everybody's crossing over and having those conversations. And, you know, I'm guilty of that too. And that's why when we reached out and I read this paper, I found it really fascinating. So thanks for the work you do. And uh, so for th those of you that want to read the full article, uh, you can find it in RQAS published in 2018, and we'll link um, the citation to the article below. Um, so uh, where can we find you on Twitter, social media, all that stuff? Sure. So Twitter, my handle name is at Justin underscore Hagel. Uh, Hagel is spelled H-A-E-G-E-L-E. Uh, or ResearchGate. I'm on ResearchGate like most uh, academics are today, and you could find all the stuff I do on there. Okay. And I think I'm way behind you because I just got on Twitter and I just got on ResearchGate. So um, we'll definitely um, forward this information and tag it down there. So um, that's all we have for you on this one, and thanks for listening.
Thank you.